Welcome to Crime on Caffeine. I'm your host, Erica. And I'm your host, Allison. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode. Today, we got some coffee shipped in from Cleveland, Ohio, since we are doing a Cleveland case, part two of a Cleveland case. We decided that we wanted to drink some Cleveland coffee. This comes from Rising Star Coffee Roasters. We are drinking the Peacemaker Blend. Erica picked this one out because it has chocolate and candy pecans and figs as the flavors. She likes all them sweet things, but it's really good. So we just wanted to let you guys know that we are drinking some local coffee to our case. There is nothing wrong with some sweet coffee. I never said there was anything wrong with your sweet coffee. I'm just saying that's what you prefer. Yeah. So just a little recap of where we were last time in this case. This is... The Cleveland kidnappings, the Cleveland abductor, Ariel Castro. So in part one, we talked all about Michelle Knight and her childhood, everything that she went through at home, and then when she ran away, when she returned home, and then the birth of her son, her son being taken, and then, you know, the day that she was abducted. And then we got into the beginning of her captivity and all that that I'm not going to get back into because it was very hard to listen to. Yeah, I don't want to ever talk about it again. So thank you for, you know, skipping out that. I'm very sorry, but we will be talking about it more today because Come on, we left off part one with Amanda Berry, the 16-year-old going missing in the same area. And Michelle had a feeling that this was Castro's second victim. And she was right. And she was right. So one day... Castro brought Amanda upstairs and he introduced the two girls. He tried to lie at first and say that it wasn't Amanda when Michelle called him out for it. And he was trying to say that it was his brother's girlfriend. But Michelle was like, I literally saw it on the news. I know you're lying. Also, by the way, um, I know we left off last. Michelle was in that blue room that she called the prison and she had been naked for all those months. She was still naked. So like meeting Amanda, like she's still just chilling there locked up naked. She was nudie patootie. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, they chatted real quick for, like, a minute. Michelle was just like, hey, like, I know you. I had art class with you. And she was like, oh, I went to this school. She was like, yeah, same. And then that was it. Michelle didn't see her again for months. They live in the same damn house. It's a tiny-ass house. Yeah. So shortly after Amanda was brought in, Michelle realized that she was pregnant. What? Mm -hmm. T. That's T. She tried to hide it from him because she was, like, so scared of what he would do. Right. But, I mean, you can only hide that for so long. Right. Actually, this is gross me out. But one night while he was raping Michelle, he saw breast milk. And that's when he was like, he literally goes, you're fucking pregnant. He said the F word, not me. <laughs> but he called, It was not you. <laughs> he called her a slut and started saying there was no way she would be having a baby in that house. Called her a slut? Yeah. Sir, I don't know. Holy kadiddles. He's lost his damn mind. Well... He lost that a while ago. Mm-hmm. But still, that is really dumb. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a uh, quick trigger warning before this next part. So he tried to starve her so that she would lose the baby. I don't think that was working fast enough for him. So this was when I was talking about like how the dog was one of the rougher things. This is the other rough thing, no. which this happens multiple times. I'm closing my ears again because I can't. So he actually took a barbell and punched her in the stomach with it. Yeah, I literally, this is, I closed the book. I didn't read it for a couple more days. 
Um, she was bleeding the entire night and eventually miscarried. Yeah, no shit. Um, and he was, like, really angry that she, quote, aborted his baby. He and, did that. Yeah. He did mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And he, like, slapped her really hard in the face. Like, <gasps> dude, are you okay? Is he not remembering things? Like, has he, like, part of his brain went through his ear while he was sleeping? It's like he just has no idea, like, who he is. But so this boredom, this hopelessness, this darkness carried on for the rest of 2003 and into 2004. So in April of 2004, she saw a news report that on April 2nd, 14-year-old Gina DeJesus had been abducted from the same area that both she and Amanda were abducted from. And she recognized Gina because she went to school with her older sister. She heard a girl screaming in the basement, and she knew right then and there that it was Gina down there. At this point, the dude gave her a notebook and a pencil so that she could draw and write, and this was huge. She used it to... She had, like, a thing when she was little where she really liked to draw wolves, so she started doing that again. She was really happy. And she was writing, like, poems, letters, just writing about, like, what was going on, how many... She was kind of using it to, like, keep track of how many days she was there. The girls did that a lot. And she would also write letters to, like, people in her life, so she would write to Joey a lot. But the notebook was definitely very helpful for her. But they would run out of paper, and, like, sometimes he wouldn't buy them more, so they would have, like, nothing to write on anymore, and they would get really sad. But he was pretty consistent with buying them notebooks. I don't know why he was just, like, randomly nice, but the fact that none of them ever had, like, Stockholm Syndrome is kind of crazy. Yeah, I was thinking that, too. That's Mm -hmm. weird that you just grabbed that Mm -hmm. out of my brain. Um, A few weeks later, he brought Gina into Michelle's room, and he tried to tell Michelle that it was his daughter, Obviously, she didn't believe him again, but he actually started to leave them, like, in the same room a little bit later down the line, and Michelle felt like she was an older sister to the two girls, like, she had to protect them. Amanda was, like, very separate from the other two, and they didn't really realize why at first. They didn't really know what went on between the two of them. Hmm. Yeah. Weird, but Gina started to tell Michelle about how she got in the house. She was saying that she was walking down the street with Castro's daughter, Rosie. They were best friends, and they stopped at a payphone to call their moms and ask if they could have a sleepover, but the mom said no, so the two girls went their separate ways. So while Gina was walking down the street, Castro pulled up and told her that he was looking for Rosie. And she was like, okay, yeah, I'll help you find her. She's my best friend. Like, you're her dad. So she got in the car with him. He said that he had to go home, pick something up, and that maybe she and Emily could go to the mall. I don't know why. Sounds so familiar. I know, I know. And, like, she she was like, why would I want to go to the mall with Emily? Like, I'm friends with Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> so he gave her money for them to go to the mall and got her to come inside, and then he forced her into the basement, and then you know what happened after that. But, yeah, so Gina and Michelle got super close, obviously, because they were chained together. He gave them a pot to pee in. Yes, we graduated from a bucket to a pot. If I feel one like of that's a downgrade. Depends on how you look at it. Ugh. So, like, if one of the girls had to go over to the pot to pee, like the other girl had to go with her because oh, they were chained together. That is, yeah, a different kind of bond. Yeah. One day in the summer, Castro brought his grandson for them to meet. And they were just like, why the hell is he doing this? This is where they were like, I feel like he wants to get caught. 
She said, I figured maybe taking a risk like that gave the dude a sick thrill, like the way he flaunted it, that he was smarter than the cops and hadn't gotten caught. But he was like, he's too young to know what's going on. Like, it's fine. But it's still like, why why does, why do you want him to meet them? I don't know. Just weird. So after this meeting, it kind of gave them hope. He'll think it's weird and he'll say something to his mom. Like maybe someone will call the cops. So they were a little bit hopeful, but nothing happened. So a few weeks after this, he unchained them and he brought all three of them down to the basement and he chained all of them down to a pole by their necks and their stomachs. And he put those socks in their mouth, duct taped them, the normal, threatened to shoot them if they made a sound. And so they were listening to like what was going on in the house. Like, why would he chain us all up down here at once? Like they're usually never, the three of them are never together. Right. And they realized his family was there. The family of the grandson that they met, like all of them were over mm-hmm. and they could like hear them talking upstairs and a woman that they assumed was the grandson's like mom or so, I don't know. They, sh- they heard her saying like pointing to the basement and was like, Oh, what's in here? Like, can you unlock it? And he was like, oh, no, I'm doing work down there. There's water all over the floor. It's super messy. Like, I'm sorry, I can't. And so they were like, okay, maybe the lady will be sketched out. Maybe she'll call the cops. Something will come of this. Once again, nothing happened. Of course. So they actually stayed down there all chained up like this for a couple weeks until he took them back to the room. So once again, Amanda went in her own room and then Gina and Michelle were locked up again in the room together. So a few weeks after this, he actually moved the girls into a van that he had parked in the backyard because he had family coming over again. And so they were all chained up in the van in like the second and third rows. They had a pot to pee in, but obviously, obviously the van wasn't turned on and It was the middle of the summer at this point, so it was so hot. They were stuck in there for five days straight. He came to feed them like a little bit a few times, but not much. And Michelle would actually pass out a few times that they were in there. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, And then they moved back into the bedrooms. And so they had TVs, radios, and notebooks. So... Like it definitely wasn't as bizarre. I know. It wasn't as bad as the van, but like... He goes from like... I need to torture them and make them almost die. And then he goes to, oh, like, here's a TV. Here's a dog. Here's a book to paint. And, like, I don't understand it. Well, he has this, like, messed up view in his head that, like, this is his family. And it's, like, as much as he wants to, like, control them and torture them, he's, like, he wants them to, like, think that it's a family. It's it's so messed up. Yeah, still lost. Still don't understand it. I just uh, nope i know i got nothing i know um in 2004 he started to allow the girls to move around the house as long as like he was within reach so they weren't just like chained up in the bedroom they were allowed to like go in the kitchen and go downstairs and things like that so they could like cook in the kitchen and stuff and just make little things in january 2004 the authorities actually showed up to the house Child welfare officials had alerted authorities that Castro left a child unattended on a bus. I don't know if I said this, but he worked as, like, a school bus driver. As he should not. Yeah. Nope. When authorities showed up, no one answered the door, so they were like, oh, well. What? Yeah, so they left. They later spoke to him, and they were like, yeah, there's there's no criminal intent. Like, it's whatever. You're kidding. Nope. Moved on. This will happen a few more times. I, <laughs> that makes me so mad. Why? Oh, just go in, go in the house. You do it with other people. Why can't you just go in? Mm-hmm. Yep. You're, you're going to keep saying that. Um, so one night, so he, he would like give them alcohol. I think at the beginning, Gina and Amanda were like, no, I'm too young. But Michelle was like, sometimes I just like needed it to just survive. 
And so there was one night when they were all drunk and he's so fucked up in the head. I can't. So he hands Michelle his gun and is like, shoot me. What? And she was like, she was like, um, no, like get away from me. What? You're crazy. So he took the gun and he puts it up to her head and she's like screaming. And he went to pull the trigger. But before he could do that, she like knocked it out of his hand and it was fell on the kitchen floor. And when it landed, bullets flew out. And she was like, oh my God, you were really going to shoot shoot her. her. And then she blacked out. Oh Mm -hmm. my. Mm -hmm. He straight up was going to kill her. Yeah. Just right then and there. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So after this, he just started treating her worse and worse. She had it way worse than the other girls just like he like hated her for some reason and he makes that very apparent because he tells her all the time like he tells her she's ugly and like all this stuff horrible to her why not that he wasn't horrible to the other girls but like she knew she had it worse and like they witnessed it as well but at this point he was pushing her down the stairs beating her constantly and like everything else but also something really weird happened this year they kind of got more insight as to like what the dynamic was between him and Amanda. Cause like I was saying, she stayed in a separate room they were together a lot and they didn't really know like what went on, but he started saying that Amanda was his wife. What? Yeah. Um, he treated her very differently and he started treating the other two girls worse than Amanda. So he started like feeding them less and less and less to the point where like they were losing so much weight Uh, Michelle said that you could, like, literally see her bones. Ugh. Yeah. In the spring of 2006, Gina and Michelle were watching TV in their room, and they actually saw that Amanda's mother, Luana, had passed away, um, which is really sad, especially because Amanda didn't know they went up to her, and they were like, we're so sorry for your loss. And she was like, what are you talking about? And they were like, we just saw on the TV, like, your mom died. That is so sad. So sad. So sad. Oh, Um, she was like, She had, like, a few health problems, and she'd spent... I mean, since Amanda was missing, she spent years trying to find her and, like, you know, putting flyers up everywhere and just, like, trying to, like, publicize this as much as possible. I know. And then a few weeks later, Amanda started to feel super sick, nauseous. She couldn't keep anything down. Michelle was like, sis, I think you're pregnant. Oh, no, not another one. Well, but Amanda's his wife. So in the middle of the night on Christmas Eve of 2006... She gave birth to baby Jocelyn. And this, I think the birth of Jocelyn just changed the dynamic of the household completely. I bet. Like, Michelle referred to her as, like, the light of the house. And they loved her. Like, she was adorable. They all got to play with her. Like, at first, though, when she was born, she wasn't breathing. Like, she was totally blue, wasn't breathing. And Michelle gave her CPR, and she survived. Wow. Yeah. Hell yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So he had the girls switch rooms with Amanda and Jocelyn because theirs was bigger. So they went in the blue room and then I think they took the pink room or I don't know. It's really confusing. There's like a white room, a pink room, and a blue room. But I hate that. Yeah. So he let Amanda out of her chains because he was like, I don't want the baby to see her with them on. And it was really weird, but like he took pretty good care of the baby. Like he was very responsible with it and like. He didn't want the baby to see, like, anything bad going on. Like, he, like, actually cared about the baby, which is, like, very weird and not like him. Huh. Really weird. But he also told Michelle and Gina that they needed to have fake names around her. So Michelle chose Juju and Gina chose Chelsea. And at this point, he was letting them shower once a week. What? So, like, things were slightly improving, which is weird. But at the things same time, slightly- at the same time, things were still very bad. I was about to say, he's trying to make it seem like they're not... 
still kidnapped? Yeah. Like, yeah. No, just, like, you still are. Yeah. So in 2009, when Jocelyn was two, he ended up unlocking Michelle and Gina from their chains. Um, the same reason he was like, I don't want her seeing that and being like, what is going on? So this started to make them think even more about escaping just like so close, you know, but so far still because he always threatened to kill them with his gun. So when Jocelyn was like two and a half, three, he started to like take her out of the house in public to meet people. He took her to church every week and he was introducing her as his girlfriend's kid, but nobody ever knew the difference because there's no record of her birth anywhere. How would anyone know? Oh my God. I didn't even think about how would they know? They're going to know. How would they know? So he even introduced her to his band. Yeah. Like he, it was, he was just like acting like it was his kid and nobody thought anything of it. But like one good thing was he really did try to hide the abuse from her. You know, I mean, if she was around that definitely helped the girls out, but didn't always work out that way. Obviously if he was getting angry or something, he was going to do it. And there were times when she did witness it. Like there was one time in the kitchen, one of the girls pissed him off and he like, I think it was Michelle. I'm going to assume it was Michelle. He like slapped her in the face and was like screaming. And Jocelyn was like, why is he so mad? Or like something like that. Oh, that's really yeah. sad. So she definitely did witness some things, but not the most horrible yeah, I was things about that to say, he'd not, done. Not what he does in those rooms yeah. or anything. So in November of 2011, a neighbor said that he heard pounding on the doors coming from inside Castro's house. And he said that the windows had plastic bags over them. And he was like, okay, this is really sketchy. So he called police. Police knocked on the door, they walked around the house, and no one answered, so they left. And there was never any follow-up. Yeah, I'm getting so mad at mm-hmm. this. I'm about to leave this room. Like, why, how are you just not going to, you're never going to, nobody answered. You got to go back. You got to call. You got to figure something out. Like, write it down in your notes. Hey, nobody answered. Make sure I go back. Like, set a freaking reminder. Go back in 30 minutes to an hour. I don't know. Yeah. Go back till somebody answers. There's clearly been more than one call. Mm-hmm. Something's not right. Nope. And you're going to piss me off. They're probably going to piss you off like one more time. You know what? Let them have it. <laughs> it. The following summer, the summer of 2012, Gina and Michelle realized that they had bed bugs. <gasps> yeah. Ew. So his solution was to throw plastic, like plastic wrapper or like plastic, I don't know, some piece of plastic over the bed. And he was like, there, that'll kill him. I don't really know what his logic was with that. They didn't die. So they just spent the whole summer dealing with those bugs, just bit by bed bugs itchy all the time Ugh. yep disgusting they're like your little mosquito bites right now disgusting uh-huh yep welcome to florida where there's mosquitoes at all times and every single bug that you can ever imagine i have two spiders living near my um screen door we had some termites at the same time although mine didn't end up being termites they're carpenter ants carpenter ants yours were termites they that they were mine i still have carpenter ants uh, so you're going to get mad, but in July of that same summer, another neighbor called the police to report strange activity from his house. He claimed to see a naked girl crawling around in Castro's backyard and that he saw a little girl in the attic window. As you can assume, nothing came of this. That, as the police in that town, once you find out about everything that happens, like, how do you feel? Oh. But, like, seriously, how, like... You checked this house. Well, not really checked. The amount of times they'd been to the house. That's what I'm saying. 
once it comes out, what's going down, you're not going to be like, oh shit, I should have done something. The four times we were there, not one follow-up, not one. Makes my eye twitch. My Mm -hmm. eye is, it could be the caffeine, but my eye is twitching. A little bit of both. So at this point, I know I was saying that they were thinking more and more about the possibility of escaping. So Gina and Michelle started to like exercise to build up strength. So they were doing like push-ups and sit-ups and they had like little nightly routines and they would like build each other up and like motivate each other. But then towards the end of September, Michelle was no longer strong enough for it because she was pregnant for the fifth time since being abducted. Stop. Mm -hmm. So he, yeah. So like she'd been pregnant four times there already. He caused her to miscarry every time. I can't. I don't have words for that. Mm-mm. I sure don't. So when Jocelyn was five years old, he took her to a carnival, and they brought back corn dogs for everyone. And he tried to force Michelle to eat one, even though she was, like, deathly allergic to mustard. And he was like, if you don't eat this, I'm going to kill you. Like, he knew that she was allergic to mustard. And so after she did this, she was so sick for, like, at least a week. She was getting sicker every single day. Her face was puffy. Her throat was swollen. And towards the end, she was unable to move. And she said that she was in more pain than she'd ever been in before. And like, think of all the shit that she'd been through. Oh my gosh. That's how bad it was hurting. Like she couldn't even open her mouth enough to eat and drink because her throat was so closed and her face was like so swollen. He ended up like giving her like a bottle of medicine. I think it was like cough medicine or something, and it helped with the cough, but it didn't do anything about the allergic reaction. So it was give the girl some Benadryl or something. Yeah. So she, at this point, I mean, I know it happens in real life. It's never happened to me, but you know, in TV shows, when like the character like dies and they like go to the other side and they see the white light and then like they come back to life. Mm -hmm. So this like literally happened to her. And um, Gina just, like, sat with her for it through the entire thing, like, while she was sick the entire time, while she was getting better. Like, she was like that for several days, like, maybe a week or two. But Gina stuck by her side through the whole thing, and she was like, I'm so grateful. I almost died. God brought me back. Gina brought me back. It was crazy. so crazy. And then um, that November, Castro actually lost his job as a bus driver for a few different reasons. He made an illegal U-turn while children were on the bus. He used the bus to go grocery shopping. And remember, he left that child unattended on the bus when the authorities came and knocked on his door. Mm -hmm. Um, He left a child when he went for lunch. He just left the bus with nobody on it, not locked, and took a nap at home. What? Yeah, I don't know. He's whack. He clearly needed to lose that job. He, yes, but at the same time, he couldn't afford to because his house was in foreclosure after three years of unpaid taxes. Well. So his life was falling apart. I think at this point he, he was unraveling. It, but he uh, deserves he it. He deserves it. And a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, he deserves much worse. Yes, but it was every, he was starting to unravel a little bit. His life was literally shit. He had nothing at this point. So on Jocelyn's sixth birthday, this would be Michelle's 11th Christmas there. Um, 11th Christmas? Yeah. And she had been there for 11 years? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And this was That's probably crazy because remember the, the last time I asked that? You were like, oh, she was going to be yeah, there you said the You were Christmas. like four months. Oh my. Yeah. 11 Maron. Christmases, Allison. Maron. And this was probably the worst of them all because on this Christmas, Castro told her that it was time to deal with her pregnancy and that he would make it so she could never have a kid again. So he got on some boots, took her to the basement, and started kicking her in the stomach, and just did not stop. 
Um, four days later, she started to bleed so much and she like was sitting over the toilet, just like bleeding out. And the fetus literally fell into the toilet and she like picked it up with her hands and he walked in and saw and once again started attacking her being like, you aborted my baby. I should just shoot you right then and there. Like, blah, blah, blah. Why just her? Why is he doing this to her? Because he, he hated her the most. For what? What did she ever do to him? I don't know. I think, this I don't know. She, she tends to call him on his shit and challenge him a lot. As she should. Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to. Mm-hmm. He just is too weak to take it. No, he's just a messed up individual. So I messed hate up. him so much. Yeah, so he took the fetus and put it in a trash bag. And um, after this, after she was like bleeding out and miscarrying a baby in a toilet and then held it in her own hands, he didn't let her shower. She just had to go back to her room and get chained up with Gina. So she was disgusting. Yeah, no he, kidding. He, like, threw a couple napkins at her. But what is that going to do? What's you just You just, like, bled out and miscarried a child. Oh, here's a, here's a little napkin. You use a napkin to, like, wipe up a little sauce. Yeah. She was bleeding out. Literally you bleeding disgusting out. disgusting excuse for a man. Not yeah. even a man. So this was horrible, and, I mean, he did what he said. After this, she was no longer able to have children. Like, to this day, she can't have kids of You're her own. Like, me. cannot conceive a child. Oh, that is heartbreaking. So sad. So heartbreaking. Just horrible that, like, that was the reason that, like, trying to get her child back was when she got kidnapped. Getting her child back was, like, the one thing that brought her hope. She was pregnant five times. He killed the baby every single time, and now she can never have a baby again. That's just messed up in so many ways. Just feel for her so badly. I know. So then in the spring, we're in 2013 now, he had Michelle come outside with him because he wanted to, like, build a garden. Um, So he, like, had her, like, dig some holes and stuff, and she thought it was like they were potting plants, and he's like... No, like bigger, deeper, deeper. And she was like, okay. He's like, deeper. And she was like, holy shit, this He's dude's having me dig a grave. <gasps> I knew you were going to say that. Mm-hmm. She's digging her own grave. Yeah. He was like, he was like, all right, that's enough for today. We can finish tomorrow. And she was like, oh my God, tomorrow might be the day that I die. That's so sad that she has to like think about that mm-hmm. and like have that realization. I know. On May 6th, she woke up and she had like a really funny feeling in her stomach and she was talking to Gina and she's like, I feel weird. Like there's like a pit in my stomach. She was like, are you pregnant? She was like, no, I'm not pregnant. I just like had this weird feeling. And she was like, she's like, I'm kind of bored. <laughs> like, bored. Yeah. I don't know. So they were like, listen, they could hear like Amanda and Jocelyn like playing in her room. And Jocelyn was like running around saying that Castro had left and gone to his mom's, like her grandma's house. And the girl, so he would do this thing all the time where he would like trick them to like test their trust. So when it was just Michelle there and she was stuck in the basement, he would like leave and see if she would try to escape, make it seem like he was going to work. And then he would come back real quick and be like, I was just testing you. Because, <laughs> you know, she was so good at listening to those sounds. It's like, like he's so smart. He got her. <laughs> so smart. So. So when Jocelyn was born, he kind of had her do tricks on them, being like, daddy's left, daddy left, to like see. Oh, so she was doing it that time. Well, they didn't know if that's what she was doing. And so they heard Amanda and Jocelyn downstairs, but they didn't hear him. And then they didn't hear anything at all. Like it was totally silent. They didn't even hear either of them. So they were like, 
what the hell? Like, did Amanda like take her somewhere? Like what's going on? Like, why don't we hear anything? And then they were like pound pounding on the door and they were like, Oh, what the fuck is going on? They were like, Holy shit. And a woman started yelling police, police. And so they literally thought they were like, what the hell? Like, this is a trick. This isn't real. So they went and hid. They were so scared. And then they saw the uniforms and the badges. And she immediately ran to the female cop's arms. Cops searched the house, gathered evidence, and the girls left in an ambulance. They were finally found. May 6th, 2013. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. I'm just in shock. Yeah. So 11 years, 10 years, and then 9 years for Gina, I think. That's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Think about how, like, how much life they missed out on. Uh-huh. And, like, that was something that Michelle thought about a lot. She was, like, she had been there four months. She was, like, oh, my God. Like, I miss September. I miss October, November, December. Like, she missed 11 years of her life. Because it's, like, they never, until they got, like, the TVs and the radios, they had no way of knowing what day it was. Or, like, what was happening in the world, even mm-hmm. that. Like, they had no idea about anything. No, and she was, like, 11 years. She was, like, it felt like an eternity. I'm shook. Because they would be sitting there for days at a time with nothing. No food, no water, no clothes, no social interaction. What What are you going to do? So, the nightmare is over. They are found. They escaped from this demon. And that is where we are going to stop. And in the next episode, part three... We are going to talk about everything that happened the day the girls were found, the days following, Castro's arrest, the trial, kind of like what went on in their lives afterwards, where they are now. We're going to talk about his life, his upbringing, psychology, yes. and all that stuff. So definitely want to listen to part three because you're going to get more of an understanding. You're going to learn what happens to his piece of shit mind and whatever happened to him you're gonna learn about the girls and there's gonna be a lot of good stuff so i'm sorry that these first two parts were horrific but i'm just happy that this one ended on a positive note yes same and i'm very excited for part three because i need to know why yes it will be very good i will be as informative as possible do my research as I always do. We always be give scholarly y'all, Give y'all the, the psychological tea. <laughs> psychological tea. I like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. But thank you guys so much for listening, especially if you listen to both parts. I, I appreciate people who will listen to all the parts. Yes, because they want to know. They want to know all the deets. You are loyal, and we love you. Yes, and thank you guys so much for your continued support with the podcast. We are so, so happy with how it's going so far. So we're going to continue doing what we do and giving you all the goods. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, it's just Crime on Caffeine on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you want to go to our website, it's just CrimeOnCaffeine.com. And don't forget to you know subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts because it'll give you a little notification when our episodes come out. And of course, always, if you want to leave a review, we are super open to that. If you want to give us five stars, that would just be so great. And if you want to write a little something, something, that would be even more great. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Make sure you tune in on Wednesday for part three. I'm so excited.